Professional Idiots, a podcast combining our need for work and our want for entertainment. This week's topics include how to deal with unreasonable customers and media as they age. I'm Chris Flynn, joined by my co-host Aaron Simon and our producer Brad Whitaker. Morning, guys. Yeah. Morning. So uh, it only took us about two episodes, but we have an iTunes subscriber and our first guest this week. We are joined by my fiancé and partner in pop culture crime, Catherine Alexander, soon to be Flynn. Hi. So, uh, first, let's dig into the professional side, even though the notes that are changing in my screen. (laughs) Aaron is adding lovely notes to our screen right now, but we're going to ignore those. (laughs) Brad, as you're new to the podcast, we didn't really quite dig into it last week. Could you give us just a little bit more background on your professional life and what it is you do to pay rent every week? Um, I try to avoid paying rent if I can, but, uh, since I can all the time, I do, I work in sales for a Japanese company, a Japanese automotive company, so, I basically, but right now, because I'm about a week out from flying to Japan and not having a job, so right now I'm just mostly doing, uh, in and out stuff in the warehouse, not, not too involved at the moment because I only have one more week left. But uh after that, rent's going to be fun. I'm sure. I mean, it's a good musical. musical. A lot of people like it. Do what? <laughs> I said it's a good musical. A lot of people seem to like it. It's well received. Uh, I'm going to type something in the notes here. No, you get it. Rent. It's a theater joke. Yeah, rent. Yeah, I get it. Uh, oh, uh, I don't like that. No. <laughs> anyway, Catherine, how about yourself? What exactly do you do for work? Uh, so I am a regional director for a private tutoring company. Um, so I match students with tutors and then monitor the whole tutoring process. And what uh, age range of kids are you guys working with? Um, our youngest is, I mean, like we'll work up, you know, to kindergartners if they decide that they need tutoring for some unknown reason, um, and then all the way up through, you know, like college-age kids, and we have a couple of um, adults who work with us as well. Okay. So why don't you tell us a little bit more then about your education and how you got into that job? Yeah. Um, so I went to college at Xavier University, go Muskies, um, and I You're studied... talking to two other non-sports people here. Yeah. So is, that muskrat, is that muskrat or musk ox? <laughs> No, that is actually musketeers. Um, oh. Musk ox, I think, would be much cooler. I think so, to, too. To tell Xavier that. <laughs> yeah, so went to Xavier, um, had no idea what I wanted to do. I started out studying biology and decided that if I had to take chemistry to be a biology major, then that just wasn't going to work out. Um, so switched to psychology um, with a minor in gender and diversity studies, which is as you know, ridiculous liberal arts as you can possibly get. Um, Still didn't know what I wanted to do and joined a transition to teaching program um, when I graduated, kind of like Teach for America. Um, Then moved to Indianapolis, got my master's in teaching, taught middle school and high school science for two years, um, decided that I didn't want to be in the classroom anymore, especially in the really tough inner city environment that I was in and was moving to Chicago anyways and decided to make the transition out of the classroom then and felt like tutoring was the next best step. Very cool. 
So you want to tell us, because I know all about this, but you want to tell our listeners uh, some of your, your more favorite stories there, any of the, the times in the classroom where your kids were particularly ridiculous? Yeah, how many kids have you hit? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if the answer Not- is less than 50, I will be very disappointed. Not enough. Um, <laughs> no, I really, it's very difficult to pick ridiculous stories from the classroom because for the two of you who are not soon to be marrying me, um, I... Now, who's that again? <laughs> Which, I don't oh, have, that's me. Okay, that's me. okay, okay. <laughs> all right, thanks. Um, thanks for the reminder. <laughs> I started out teaching at a school for kids who were just out of juvenile detention. Good uh, Yeah, which was a really great way to start out in a career in education definitely makes you only want to stick it out for the two required years. Um, and my kids were tough. I mean, they were really, really tough and insane. And I went home either, you know, crying or laughing every single day. There was really no in between. It was either really, really tough or just so outrageous. It was, you know, funny and you had to just laugh about it to get through it. Um, I think my favorite story from teaching though is one where we didn't have kids who showed up very often. I mean, it was, you know, the kids came to school when they were hungry, and that was really about it. And one day I had one student in my class. That was it. One kid showed up. And on that day where there was one child in a classroom, I had to end up calling the police to come and remove him from my room. He was so terrible that – I could not control one child. He was standing on my desk pulling down ceiling tiles when the police came in, trying to give me a hard time about, oh, you can't handle one kid, and for sure, pulling down ceiling tiles because apparently that's what you do in the classroom. I mean, I do that every day at work. Uh, that's just <laughs> apparently what we had to deal with, so it was tough. Um, and unsurprisingly made me not want to stay in the classroom. Why not? Yeah, something about having to have your children removed from classrooms in handcuffs on a daily basis is not super enjoyable. It's good stories, though. (laughs) Yeah, you know, at least that. Stories are good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think society, you know, as a whole is a big fan of stories. And Well, you came out without any injuries, but your, your other coworkers weren't so lucky. That's very true. Yeah, I did come out without any serious, you know, life-altering injuries, which is quite nice. Um, the teacher who had his jaw broken in two places, not so lucky. Oh, dear God. What? Yeah, that's that's what made me decide that this was no longer an acceptable career choice. Yeah. Got to get out of Dodge in that case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, I mean, well, so now I tutor for... No, well, the next best thing. I mean, we were kids who were like, just out of juvie. These are these are people, these are kids that are like going on the government list for like these kids are probably going to be in prison one day. Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, some of them already are, and some of them are <laughs> or the, no longer living. Or yeah, I mean, they are gosh. they're exactly what you think think that they're going to be. But really, actually, some of the kids were really nice. I actually really loved some of my kids. They were really fantastic, and I do miss working with kids like that. They. I mean, they were great. I won't. I won't ever say that all of my kids were insane. I, I just like the uh, the description. Like, they only come when they're hungry. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like I can never imagine having that mindset. Like, man, I'm hungry, but if I go to school, I get to eat. Yeah, I mean, then I'm gonna go to school. That's not a great situation to be in. No, it's not. 
Well, so now tell the guys, though, uh, how you kind of made the 180 from your your uh, clientele. Now I couldn't be more on the other end of the spectrum. Now when I meet with new families, I show up at their houses, the valet parks my car. I've had people ask me if I want their personal chef to make me anything for the meeting. I mean, it's like <laughs> it couldn't be more different if they tried. <laughs> what do you What do you request? Just curious. <laughs> I, I always have to be polite and just say, oh, no, I'm fine, because it's so, such a weird position to be in. I'm like, no, I don't want your personal chef to make me anything. Like, that's so strange. <laughs> I would, I would like, learn rare and exotic, like, fruit <laughs> and, like, ask them if they have it. Like, uh, do you all have any Duran fruit? <laughs> I, by the way, Duran is a really smelly fruit. Look it up. Yeah, it's like a spiky, stinky fruit. Y- yeah. That's, like, banned yeah. on public transportation in, like, you know, the Southeast Asia. Yes. Oh, exactly. That's awesome. Hey, that does not look like a fruit. Actually, <laughs> don't even, don't even read that. <laughs> that every time. <laughs> yeah, so it's very different now. And the families come with their own set of challenges. I mean, while, you know, when I call families now, they don't often call me names and curse at me and tell me to just deal with their children they are are still demanding and have their own set of unique challenges. So it's not been, you know, easy either direction. Right. They're they're kind of special. Exactly. So before we dig more into that, because that's more of the topics, I wanted to ask Catherine our, our guest questions that we started with last week so we can at least keep something going on this podcast for continuity's sake. So, Catherine, if you could go back in time and change something about your educational or professional experiences, what would you change and why? That's a tough question because I feel like there are certainly things that I would like to change, but I also, as cheesy as this sounds and kind of vomit-inducing, I wouldn't want to change where I've ended up because a lot of my choices led me to moving to Indianapolis and then meeting you and being where I am now, which I definitely would not want to change. So that's tricky, but thinking about it in the sense of what could I change but not change the ultimate outcome of some of the other personal choices that have happened, I think what I would most want to change would be just kind of like not knowing what I wanted to do in college, which I think is almost every millennial's answer to this question because, you know, we all go to college, we all change majors several times and kind of came out not really knowing exactly what to do in a job market that was less than welcoming. But I think I just had no real direction and I didn't figure out an area that I actually wanted to be in until I was already graduating with a master's degree, (laughs) which is definitely not an ideal situation. Um, Yeah, I think just having more time to figure out what would have been the best fit for me and not being so rushed into declaring a major and following a path that ended me up in a situation where I feel like ideally I would like to go back to school someday to do something different. Um, Kind of getting it right on the first go around would be optimal. We don't have that ability here. We don't have a time machine, but uh, I, I felt the same way. That was pretty much my answer as well as wanting to know where I would have ended up. So anyway, Digging, uh, kind of going back now to the topic that, Catherine, you started to touch upon. Uh, this week's topic is more on like, customer service and dealing with uh, people in your job environment, whether it's more sales or you know, internally focused. 
because we kind of have a, a wide range of, of people here on the podcast. So kind of getting into how employee interactions and how we, we deal with these irrational people. Uh, for me, I'm in sales, so unfortunately I'm 99% in the wrong. Um, but, you know, all joking aside, for big customers or for people that are spending a lot of money through our company, I'm going to be much more likely to uh, to go ahead and go the extra mile and make sure that they're taken care of. Uh, otherwise, it's just, you know, some of these customers that we have are small potatoes that they're not spending a lot of money and they're asking us to do hours and hours of work. And it's just hard. It's hard to justify the time spending on on really no return. Um, but as much research as I can have to support my position and to at least have alternatives to what they want if we don't carry it allows me to at least slow down the situation as opposed to just having somebody out and out pissed off at me. So how about you, Aaron? Um, yeah, you know, so I come from... Uh, different sort of sector where the job that I just moved out of uh, was set up in that sort of way where while all of the people using the system were in the same company, they were treated as customers, which is confusing to me because I don't really want to learn how businesses work, so I don't pay attention to that. Um, but you have a bunch of different groups jumping in with all of their requirements for what they need from a system that is not designed to handle any of this. Um, I'm trying to think of what I can say without going into any sort of detail here, but... I don't hold back. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we've We've only got like three listeners, so, you know... That's a good point. And no one ever goes back through a backlog. No. Actually, you know, they your company every week. <laughs> so, you know, it you, you have people who treat really low-priority things with submitting requests with the sound of alarms blaring in the background, klaxons going off, and then... Somehow, I don't know how they do it, but it's amazing. They telepathically beam the image of the Superstar Destroyer Executor crashing into the Death Star right into your brain. And so that's going alongside with everything that's happening. And, you know, you just have to learn how to put out all sorts of fires with a tiny little kid bucket of water. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of the way you do it, man. You just abide. Man. For sure, dude. Dude, that's just it. Uh, yeah, and I really haven't been doing my new job that long, long enough in order to kind of feel out <coughs> what uh, sort of craziness I'll be looking at there, aside from just the generic. Every time you talk about your job, I feel real down. Well, because it's... <laughs> uh, yeah. I, well, so it's funny. I, I came in... Soon we're going to be sponsored by Zoloft. <laughs> I came into the apartment the other week, and uh, my my flatmate was sitting on the couch, and I put my keys up on the holder, and I went, "Just son of a bitch!" And 
he said, oh, another good day at the office. And I said, well, they offered me another job. And he said, you are the only person I've ever met who would be offered another job and go, son of a bitch. And on They're top of that... me a raise. <laughs> Something's wrong. <laughs> on top of that, you are the only person who could make that make sense. So, yeah, uh, it's not, a, you know, I didn't really want to wind up here, but we all have to make rent. And Portland, I, I think I've mentioned before, there are no jobs here, aside from coders, what I do, and then baristas. That is, those are literally the three jobs in Portland. And, uh... I almost sound, don't they sell coffee? But yeah, you covered that. Yeah, uh, I did. And uh, yeah, slinging espresso does not pay the bills. I derailed there pretty hardcore. I'm, I hope you enjoyed that. Thank you. It was okay. Was we'll lot. allow it. Okay. Uh, good, because I don't honestly care if you did or not. Um, I can edit it out. No. But, but anyway. We'll just keep it going here. Yeah, let's just keep it going. You know, let the flow go. And uh, so, so that's my answer, yeah. So, Brad, you kind of said here in the notes that you're in sales as well. So if you could kind of tell us a little bit about how you deal with the irrational folks and in your work. Yeah, I was going to ask you, because uh, I don't know if you're – are you the parent company or are you in a kind of branch? So I am in a, a large company, and we are – I'm at uh, the branch level, but we're pretty much allowed to operate as our own independent business. Okay, well, because, yeah. So I deal with customers on a basis, and it's, they're my customers, you know, at the end of the day, I have to be able to answer to my GM why I priced something a certain way or didn't price something a certain way. Um, So, yeah, we we have a lot of autonomy. Okay, we we have, like, documents that are, uh, I guess, are the car manufacturer, the the big company, they give us, they ask us for documents, like, uh, quality control type stuff. And we ask our work, or we ask our company, our parent company's in Japan, so we ask them, like, hey, can you give us this document? And they're, they'll usually be like, why do you need that document? Like, well, the big company is asking for it. Well, why do they need it? Well, just give us a document. No, Don't you I- shouldn't give them the document. That's <laughs> is it like no, proprietary knowledge? Or? It, yeah, it's sensitive information, but we're the same company. Like, we're not, like, getting this information, like, then going out on the street and selling it for a dollar. Like, we, we're specifically requested, like, it's spec information, like, hardness for, uh, yeah, you know, safety, safety parts. Yeah, so they, you know, they want it, and we ask our company, and they're, like, uh, they'll just ask us questions, like, endlessly, and, and they just can't get anything done. Uh, that's one thing. The other thing is our customers can't forecast parts very well. But uh, I think that's more common what is, than What does that not for anyone who's not? Yeah. Like, well, basically, the we order parts based on what people are requesting, like what they'll use for the vehicles. So if they use like uh, 10,000 parts per month, then we'll order like 12,000 just in case some get stuck on a boat somewhere. Uh, but then sometimes people will just change their forecast, like in the middle of it. Like, oh, I, we know we requested like 10,000 based on vehicle volume, but actually we need 30,000. 
And we're like, uh, we only ordered like 15 and we thought that was enough. But now we're going to have to like spend more money to airship it over. Airshipping is very expensive. So that's always a yeah, problem. You can do it the, uh, the container route. You save a ton of money. Yeah. Containers are definitely the way to go. But, uh, then other than that, people just really enjoy talking about golf and, you have to go golfing in business. I don't know. You do? Maybe this is I Japanese thing. Is. No, it's, it's an American thing, too. My dad's been in sales for uh, 30, 30-something 30 years, and uh, he hates golf, but you have to do it, because apparently somewhat, somewhere down the line, there is one guy who likes golf. Oh, they all, I mean, well, all, like we go with specifically Japanese people, and it's funny because I suck at golf, and I, I get, like, mad playing golf. And we're, we played last year on the, uh, Indianapolis 500, uh, golf course. I don't know what it's called. Indy 500 golf course is what I'm going to call it. But, uh, we, I was paired up with two Japanese guys and, uh, my American coworker who was ordering a beer, like, every time he sold the cart. So he got, like, I think 13 in. He got a lot in. And he had a good game, but I did not. And I was getting frustrated. So the Japanese people were talking about me, uh, even though they knew I understood Japanese. They were still talking about me. And uh, the Japanese word they used to describe me was, uh, see if you can figure out what this means, negative. I'm guessing it means awesome. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you're right. Yes. Good call. I was going to go so with stopped, super awesome. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's up to the translator. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> so they're basically dissing me, like, with me, uh, full full knowledge that I understood what they were saying, and I was just like swinging my. Cl- I threw one of my clubs in the garbage. I, I just, I hate golf. So, so it much. was like Happy Gilmore. Yeah, I did. A, I did actually do a Happy Gilmore shot. Yes. I got frustrated enough. Uh, the Japanese people were uh, they they had shot ahead, so they weren't there. So I just did it. I took out a good, respectable amount of turf. Good, good. I approve of that. Yeah, it's probably still there. I'm probably not happy about that. I probably can't play at that course anymore. Well, do you really but, uh, want to? Yeah, I was going to say, you're not missing much. I don't know. It's, it's cool to play inside of a racetrack. <laughs> it was a nice course. I mean, I, I'm pretty bad at golf as well, but thankfully I'm low enough on the sales totem pole right now that uh, I'm certainly not going to be the first, second, or even like sixth person that gets invited to golf. I shouldn't have been. I don't know. I don't know why I had to go. It was. It's very frustrating. Golf is terrible. But yeah, oh, they needed someone to mock. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> they found them. That's for sure. But yeah, that's kind of my. That's my quirks in business. So how about you, Catherine? Because you're not in sales. You're much well, more in customer service then. Uh, technically, I mean, my job is kind of a, a little bit of both because I do talk with families on, like, the front end before they've decided to start tutoring um, and, you know, kind of have to sell them on our company and our approach as far as tutoring is concerned. Um, and I definitely am – I have to answer for the numbers in my region, whether they're up or down or somewhere in between. So, technically, I am a little bit in sales, but – Almost entirely my job is about customer service and making sure that my families are happy so that then they bring other families to us and we can continue to grow our business. Um, but, yeah, it's it's primarily the customer service side. Um, so, I do. I talk with my families, you know, before they begin tutoring, sell them on our product and how we can help their kids. 
meet with them, match their kids with a tutor who is going to be the best fit for what they're looking for. Um, and then I monitor the entire tutoring process. Um, so that basically means that I am the person who gets a call if a tutor is late or doesn't show up to a session or if the kid did terrible on a math test that week or didn't go up on the ACT or the sin of all sins did not get into their first choice high school. That is when shit has really hit the fan in my job. So I am choice high school. (laughs) Yes. High school is huge in Chicago, which is the most ridiculous thing in the world to me. Um, But it is much more competitive and nerve wracking for families than college acceptance. Um, High school is crazy here. Yeah. Well, give them a little bit more of an idea as to what that means, because while we and listeners in Chicago might know what CPS and selective enrollment look like, those that aren't here won't have a clue as to what you're talking about. Yeah. Do you have safety high schools? Do we have safety high schools? I mean, well, that safety is a a funny term because, yeah, there are backup high schools, but you're definitely not safe going to them. So I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if that safety is a good word, um, but yeah. So what happens here is there's kind of like three types of high schools. One is CPS selective enrollment, which is a public school, therefore free to attend, but it is a better funded, better staffed, better equipped high school. Um, so there's lots more opportunities and you have to test into that school to be able to go there. Um, the other type is a independent school, which is like a non-religious private school. Um, and then religious private schools are the other, like the third piece there. Um, so everybody primarily, like of the families that I deal with, they go to private elementary and middle schools and then want their kids to go to free high schools. Um, so they want to go to those selective enrollment schools. And for a lot of our families, they feel like it's very much the mentality of if my kid does not get into these top three schools, then they're going to end up living in a van down by the river. I mean, there's like no (laughs) – it is like the end of their world if they are not in these top three or four high schools in the city. And that's what we do is starting in sixth or seventh grade, we start doing test prep with these kids so that they have the best chance possible to get into these schools. Um, so like CPS, for example, they do their acceptances on a 900 point scale for the top choice school, which like the best CPS selective enrollment school is called Walter Payton. Kids can get out of 900 points. They can get 897 and not be accepted to Walter Payton. That is a Chicago school name. Yeah, it is. Uh, Walter Payton, <laughs> you couldn't get more Chicago if you tried. Um, but it is a really good school, but it's unfortunate that that's how competitive the market is. Um, how good is the Michael Jordan School? <laughs> we like do have a Bulls Academy, know. actually. We I, I don't know that there's a Michael Jordan School, but we do have a Bulls Academy, and it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> like the Bulls. <laughs> Very much like Ew. <laughs> so yeah um so i am the one who is often held accountable by families if for some reason their kid does not get into these schools which last week was actually the week that families found out whether or not their kids got in so luckily thus far it's all been good news on that front i've not had any angry parents um 
So that's always a positive thing. But yeah, I deal with the fallout of anything the families think are going wrong. And sometimes it's very reasonable. I mean, you know, they, a family's upset if a tutor is late to a session or doesn't show up. That is totally reasonable. And it, that's often a pretty easy solution. But a lot of the times our families are also very unreasonable um, and have unrealistic expectations. Um, like, you know, when families come to us and their kid has a 19 on an ACT pretest, but they are insisting that their kid needs a 32, well, that's just not going to happen. Like, we're tutoring your kid, not giving them a brain transplant. So, like, let's let's try and be a little bit more reasonable here. And a lot of them will get really angry by the end of tutoring if they, their kid doesn't have that 32, no matter what we say to them. And we'll demand their money back and talk about how we're a scam and all sorts of crazy things. Um, and you just kind of have to roll with it. And our, our management is very much on the, the customer is always right approach. And so I spend a larger portion of my time than I would ever like to apologizing for things that are either out of my control or not something that we should be apologizing for. But that's what you just have to do to keep families happy. <laughs> that so you like guys our, have any other school, Aaron? Yeah, it does. I uh, didn't go to one of those. A magnet no, school? Yeah. It's very much like magnet schools. Um, I mean, in, I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, and it was we had magnet programs there, and my brother actually went to a magnet school. And it's very similar, but it's not the same level of competitiveness as it is here. Um, I mean, it really, for a lot of these families, is make or break in the city because your real public school options, like the non-selective enrollment schools, are just not good schools. And that gets into the whole broken system of Chicago, which is a total nightmare um, and a, a podcast in and of itself. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't uh, think it's just Chicago either. After three. Yeah. Uh, no, it's definitely not just Chicago. I mean, it's the whole education system, which is a, a conversation that I could talk about all day. But, yeah, it's a it's a nightmare. So join us for our twenty four hour podcast next week. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of lengthy podcasts, why don't we wind this part down and uh, take a quick break, and then get back into it and talk a little bit about pop culture for this week. Aaron, you wanna wanna play us out again? Do 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 do. All right, welcome back to Professional Idiot. So the pop culture question that we're looking at this week is how has your consumption of music, movies, TV, etc. changed as you've gotten older? So why don't we go around and talk a little bit about kind of each category. I know Catherine and I are big TV fans, so why don't we start there. Uh, Brad, you want to dig in on how your TV consumption has changed over the year? I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I watch sports. That's that's about Has it. Has that changed? Sports are good. Uh, it went from standard television to HD. I think hockey's easier to follow. Yeah, because you can see the puck now. Yeah, you can see the puck now. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's but about you, it. Before that, you were just kind of like trying to follow the action and getting like the idea of where the puck was based on the cluster of people. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell if there's a girl with the thing, right? Exactly. And now I can't understand Canadian. Canadian's a rough language. Yeah. So there's, like, a lot it's of very maple syrup Canadian. there. Yeah. <laughs> I, would try to do a, I would try to do a Canadian accent, but I would just embarrass myself. Canadian, eh? 
There you go. That's that's Canadian. <laughs> it was like a Arnold Canadian. Yeah, he feels like a Canadian <laughs> accent. <laughs> All right. We're <laughs> So, yeah, ignoring your... Because sports is something I wanted to get into with somebody else for another guest that uh, I'd like to get lined up. So let's, let's hang on to that. You to talk about sports? What? Flynn, you're a jerk. <laughs> no, what's no, this guy? You're marrying this guy? <laughs> what? That is an asshole. He really is. Man, <laughs> Flynn, damn. I'm going to uh, shame you on Twitter. You're going to what? I'm going to shame you on Twitter. Oh, boy. All yeah. you and your six followers. I have a hundred, thank you. <laughs> and 96 of them are bots? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that might be the case. <laughs> the data has not right. been run yet. Before before we continue our name free here, Catherine, you want to talk about how your TV consumption has changed? Yeah, um... So one thing, like, I was thinking about my answer to this question, and one thing I think that has changed about, like, my consumption of lots of things, not just, you know, TV, books, movies, whatever, is that there's very little that I watch or read without having read a review of it first. Like, I have come to rely on these online reviews that basically tell me whether or not I think I'm going to like this. I don't go into anything with kind of a blank slate. I always have some sort of opinion, which before, I mean, that was never the case. You know, you a new show comes up on ABC and you're like, I don't know, maybe I'll like the show and I start watching it. You don't know anything about it going into it. Now that's definitely not what happens. You know, whether it's on the AV Club or something you see on Facebook or BuzzFeed or whatever it is, you kind of have a sense of whether or not you're going to like a show before you watch it. And I think sometimes that's a, that's a shame because Somebody who's writing the review could really hate a show, but then I kind of get this negative impression of it, but really it's something that maybe I would like if I didn't have that negative kind of tone in my head before I even gave it a chance. Um, So I think, like, all of the reviews that we're inundated with all the time definitely impact the way that we consume entertainment. So I'm going to let you guys hear in on a secret with our relationship that has caused nearly fistfights on frequent, frequent occasions is that I despise, with a passion, the teaser tag trailers at the end of TV shows. And I in- Wait, insist... Where it's like the next like, week on, they, and they do like oh, the clips from the oh, next one. Yeah, he yeah. refuses to ever let me watch these. And it has come to, like, nearly fisticuffs as I'm trying to wrench the remote out of his hand to be able to watch 13 seconds of preview. Next week on, a, on Professional Idiots... Right. Is now single. <laughs> yeah. No, I never know what's going to happen next week on anything. And I think it's funny that you say that, given the uh, the fact that you just said that you don't have a, a blank slate. Well, but I mean, it's a show as a whole, not like each individual episode, but like if a new show is on Netflix that I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to watch this. Like House of Cards was a great one. You know, before I started watching House of Cards, I had read all of these reviews, and I had kind of built it up in my head as something that I thought was going to be really fantastic because of everything that I had read about it. And then I started watching it, and I was kind of disappointed because I didn't love it that much. I know, I know. I'm never going to be invited back to the podcast. You're dead to me. Well, and you're going to lose your head writer, so. (laughs) Because I don't care for it either. 
Right. But, <laughs> but it was one of those oh, things yeah. that I had really built up because of what I had read about it. And, you know, same thing with Breaking Bad. Is I had read all of these fantastic reviews. And while I did love it, I mean, I absolutely did, it kind of almost couldn't fail because of all of the fantastic things I had read about it. No, I, I love Breaking Bad. Well, it looks like Aaron's just the one that's not going to be coming back. Catherine, you want to be our new co-host? I hate <laughs> all of you so much. There are barely any card games on that show. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, now there are several houses. That is a good... But they're uh, not a card. Yeah, there's no house of cards. Well, you don't know that. You don't know what the houses are built it's out of. It's not over yet. We haven't seen like a, a house being built, so they might be just like compressed cards. Yeah, I kind of. That's a kind of interesting point, though, because I don't watch TV at all. But I know all of these shows. I know what they're about because people are either on Facebook or I see reviews on media sites. Mm-hmm. So, like, even not watching the shows, even not like turning on the TV at all, I still know everything you're talking about. So, like, I feel like I'm the outlier then because I'm really good at just not paying attention to stuff that I'm not interested in. No, we know that. And it, yeah, well, I know you do. But, like, for shows, I think it took me three years to actually start watching House of Cards. And I didn't really know anything about it other than it was, it had good buzz, but I didn't read any reviews because I wasn't interested in it. So, meh. And I still haven't seen any of Breaking Bad because TV is a massive time commitment. And I would rather spend that time either reading or video games or movies. Because that's not a large time commitment at all. No, I'm saying it is a large time commitment. So for a lot of people who are playing, or a lot of people who are watching TV, like, I'm not doing that. I'm I'm on, you know, my nerd cave. Well, it just depends on what you want to spend your time doing. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. And, like, I, I understand why, like, I, I get what you're saying with, <clears throat> if you read a lot of reviews or critiques of a show, and it's just built up, then you're going to go in with low expectations, or you're going to go in with high expectations, and you're inevitably going to be disappointed. I get that. And so, like, yeah, I don't, I'm sure you're a terrible person because you're marrying Flynn, but... I don't think you're a terrible person for not liking House of Cards. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Hey, Aaron, that's hey. the producer. Can you stop insulting the guests? Oh, but I, <laughs> it's fun. Okay, fine. I'll stop insulting people. Um, nah, yeah. no, 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 not people. Just just, just, just the guests. Yeah. Just the guests. You can okay. insult us all you want. Okay, fine. And other people. Okay. People that aren't guests. People are, who are not guests. Yeah. So okay, okay, I'll, I'll I'll work that in. Okay, cool. So I would say that I went from following a lot of shows. You know, we I had a lot of access at school as far as some of the things. It's kind of interesting that it without Netflix, I still had as much access to to shows through friends and through connections that I had, and followed a lot of things on TV and really used it you know DVR to its fullest extent. But now the idea of following, you know, a 24-episode, you know, either prime or, you know, network drama, or you know, serialized drama, it sounds just like way too much work to me, 
you know, and we follow a couple of them now, but I mean, I'm kind of reaching my breaking point with The Walking Dead of just how ridiculous it's become and how repetitive it's become. Yeah, I have a breaking point in season three. We're still with it for right now. It's one of those where we've sunk enough hours into it that I feel like I'm, I don't want to go. I want to go down with the ship to see kind of how far it goes, but eventually, at some point, I'll I'll drown. But I've really grown to like the more mini series type shows, and I'm willing to put up with much crappier mini series than I am with crappier net or with you know serialized dramas. Like I really enjoyed True Detective. That was one of the shows. Well, True Detective even, season one, season two was crap. I and mean, anybody who says otherwise, I just no, I, I can't. Yeah, I didn't I see season two. Oh, it's terrible! <laughs> wow, I feel strongly about that. <laughs> it's so bad. I am not one to give up on a TV show, and I couldn't watch it. I just couldn't. I nope, couldn't stand it. So what? I think it? I, I think I fell asleep in the last like three episodes. No, you didn't watch the last four. Oh well, there you go. Maybe it got better. It did. I finished no, it. I think he's wrong. <laughs> I think I think people like shows like that though because there's a clear beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think that's more appealing. At least the the vast majority of people. It's going to be. Well, more you know fun. that it's going to be wrapped up. Like you know that they're not going to drag out the storyline for you know three seasons, and you're never going to get to find out what happens. Like you know, okay, this is ten episodes. All of this is going to be wrapped up by episode 10, um, which I think does, like you said, makes you stick, at, stick it out if it's not great for an episode or two because you're like, well, it's getting someplace. I know it's going to be done. Yeah, that's that's an appealing. That's that's definitely appealing. That factor of, yeah, even if it's not great, at least I don't have to, like, hang around and pray that the show writers don't get lost. Well, that's how I feel about The Walking Dead is that, you know, we've seen this last season, spoiler alert, uh, not that I really care, two characters have gone through ridiculous circumstances and come out still standing on the other side. Like, Aaron, you don't really care, but Glenn should have died. Glenn right. should have died oh, he didn't for die. the episode. No. no, he didn't. <laughs> and he was in a zombie horde and then, like, magicked himself underneath a dumpster and then survived under the dumpster. And it's like, wait, wait, what? wait. I thought he... Didn't he get bitten in, like, the last prison episode? No. I thought he did. Or he had, like, the fever or something. I mean, he may have had a a fever, but Cowbell took care of that. Cowbell? Yeah, Cowbell. Really? Come on. For being the alpha nerd of the group, you you really didn't... Yeah. Yeah. What was Christopher... Even she... Oh, oh, God. Oh. I've got a fever and, like, cowbells. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, oh, I'm just disappointed in you. I'm disappointed in you that you, it took us fully explaining just, the joke. I didn't get pick it. smarter from you. Come on. <laughs> it's smart enough to where you couldn't figure it out. Oh, you're a stupid brat. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, that, that's and, But then, also on The Walking Dead, our favorite character, uh, Coral, also known as Carl with Rick, Rick's butchered accent, got shot in the face. Yeah. And is still alive. Oh, God. It's just ridiculous. I mean, and to quote a review, which is kind of funny after what I just said about reviews, is it's gone from a show who 
would kill off any character. I mean, you never knew what was coming. To they will gladly now kill off any supporting character, but any main character is untouchable, even if you get shot in the eyeball like Coral. Well, Dick Cheney shot a guy in the face, and he's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well, that we just we know he, or we're supposedly told he's fine. Who knows how that guy actually ended up? I talked to him the other day. He's fine. He's not happy. Well, we're good. I'm glad you touched base with him. That was so nice of you. Yeah. Got a lot of free time. (laughs) Yeah. But I kind of want to transition over to movies because I feel kind of the same way about TV as I do with movies is that, you know, like, even though I really, really enjoy the Marvel Cinematic Universe, part of me just feels kind of just annoyed and it looks kind of daunting having to follow now, what, 726 different Marvel movie universe pieces. That is an accurate count. Like, I, I, part of me just doesn't want to consume that much Marvel. Like, there are other things that I want to watch. I mean, I, I could give you the argument of you don't have to do it. Right. He acts like he's being yeah, forced to watch like, them. You can just, when someone's talking to you about a Marvel movie, you can say, no, I haven't seen that. And that's a perfectly fine response. You, well, but I do enjoy enough of them every- that... Right. That is the problem, is that there are ones that you can enjoy, but it's almost gotten to the point where you have to watch all of them to get even the ones that you enjoy. I mean, like, they're starting to interconnect them in a way that you can't pick and choose. Like, I I get that for the comics. I definitely agree with you with that. And that's why I can't read the comics, because you have to subscribe to everything in order to get where everyone's at and, like, the... Whatever. But I don't know. Do you really have to do that for the, the movie? Well, I think so. I mean, because I had never seen any of the Captain America ones. And so as we're watching, you know, the Avengers, shit starts making no sense. I'm like, okay. wait a second. What is happening right now? And so then I had to go back and watch those to even understand, like, why any of this was happening or what it meant. Okay. Um, that's, I mean, that's I was, yeah, I, obviously. And especially you know. if feel like you don't like Captain, then if you miss on Civil War coming up, I feel like you're going to be missing such a huge crop yeah. of the Marvel yeah, Universe. That's a fair point. All the Captain America movies are, like, really tied to the the Marvel Universe. Like, the, uh... Dis- they the, are. How S.H.I.E.L.D. dissolves and is the second one, I think. And if you don't watch yeah. the first one, you don't get, like, half the jokes in the Avengers. Mm. Right. I think more so than any other one. I mean, like, Ant-Man, I don't think is that connected to the rest of them. But definitely Captain America and I think also Iron Man are very closely tied to, like, a a setup for everything else. Like, there's a lot happening there that you kind of have to know about um, to do any of the other bigger universe ones, um, like the Avengers and things. Well, and Thor, too, because you learn a lot about, like, the background of all of the crazy things that are going on. Like, I, we still haven't seen Thor, too, I don't think. Right. But I feel like there was some setup from that that we missed. I've not seen any of them, and I do feel like I'm missing things because of that, but I just can't bring myself to do it. I mean, I just, as much as I like Chris Hemsworth and like to look at Chris Hemsworth, I can't bring myself to watch those movies. I like to look at Chris Hemsworth, too. <laughs> The, uh, I don't think Thor, Aaron, you've seen Thor 2. I don't think no, Thor 2 is... I haven't seen is, Thor 2. What the... Okay, I don't... I has, any, has anyone seen Thor 2? Like, I wanted to see it. I just haven't gotten no. around to it yet, because there's a lot of other stuff that I want to watch more. And hence the discussion. Yeah, I mean, 
Right. Yeah, I think my my yeah, no, no. Yeah, I, I get it, but I, I don't. I, I guess I'm the only one here that's seen it. I don't think it's that connected to anything. That was my understanding: is that it's pretty zoomed in on the. But you wouldn't know unless you saw it. Well, no, but from talking to people who have seen it, it's it sounds like it's more zoomed in on the whole Asgard. Yes, it's uh, it was. I think it was basically a, a movie to let uh, the Loki actor shine his chops. He did a really good job in that movie. Other than that, I mean, it was a good movie. I just, it's not really but, that connected. But Thor 1 is, though, right? Isn't that the whole oh, yeah. setup for the Avengers? Yeah, Thor 1 is heavily connected. I think, you know, the more we talk about, the more I see all these movies <laughs> connecting. Yeah, same here. here. I'm like, yeah. oh, God, now they're right. Yeah. 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 So you have to watch them all to understand what's going on. Or you have to read a really long and in-depth review. I didn't understand the. There's like a Coke commercial in the Super Bowl where like Ant Man takes the Hulk's Coke. I haven't seen Ant Man. Uh, Ant Man. I don't know. That was a lot of fun, man. So I don't know why. Why is Ant Man? Oh wait, I have, I have a Coke. counterpoint. I have a counterpoint. Guardians right, of the, the Galaxy. Counter. Well, but that, that was like the only Marvel movie that is a standalone at this point. But no, 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 no. That's the uh, Infinity. Oh, damn it, you're right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, no, it's not. I mean, it's tangent, like, it's not as, it's more like a tangent to it. It's not as directly connected, but yeah. it is connected. Yeah, damn it, you're right. Yeah, that's that's a pretty big one, too. That's, uh, what's his face, what's his face's introduction? The purple guy. Purple guy, yeah, I love yeah. purple guy. Purple guy. Everyone loves purple guy. Well, way, way to prove my point for me, guys. Yeah, Thanks. you're welcome. <laughs> Glad we could no, I, no, I actually agree with you from the start. I, I'm kind of with you on that. I love the Marvel Universe, but, yeah, you do have to you have to invest in it. And I don't know that a lot of people are... Like, it's fun at first, and then it, it starts... If you're not on the train from the beginning, getting caught up is kind of a chore. Mm-hmm. I just wonder how long it is going to be able to hold... I mean, like, I mean, they have these movies planned out until what? Like, I, I mean, my God, at this point, it's got to be like 2050. And how long are people really going to keep doing this? I mean, first of all, they're spending a ton of money on it. But eventually, the consumer's taste will change, and they will get tired of this. And I just wonder if they're going to be able to stop it while the movies are still good and enjoyable or if they're going to just absolutely run it into the ground and people are going to like stop caring I think we know the answer to that yeah well I mean so of course it looks like everything they're planned <laughs> they're out gonna... for 2019 no 2021 oh, oh, 2021 yeah they they added a movie oh okay. but um I don't know I'm full of crap but Damn the uh, <laughs> but yeah the, they'll just start over from Iron Man and remake it well, probably. They'll try to remake the Hulk yet again. <laughs> I don't think they're ever going to try. No, they're going to make a successful Hulk. I think they're, <laughs> they're done trying with making the Hulk standalone. That would be my guess. I I would think so, but uh, uh, I'm often wrong Hollywood. about things. So I don't trust Hollywood to not make a movie about something that there's already a movie of. Can we talk about music? I like music, and I feel like we're neglecting music for some weird reason. I don't see right, music. Go ahead, Eric. Uh... So, like, 
there's a lot of music out there, right? We all agree with that. And when you're doing stuff that's like, that's pop, I think in your notes, Flynn, you've got the uh, question about cover-to-cover albums that are great. And I, as you're going to be shocked to learn, I don't really follow a lot of pop music with, like, I don't do rap, I don't do really hip-hop that much. Um, but you've got... Really? I, I never would have guessed I that. know. Well, I liked the, uh, uh, what is it, Black Star? Most definitely Kuali, that was a good one. But, Black. like, Black Star. You don't know Black Star. Oh, the, the, the band. Yeah, yeah the band. Know, yeah, not, not Bowie's Black Star, we're getting there. But, Got it. yeah, I think, you know, with, with pop, you're more single-focused, and it's always been that way. Yeah. And uh, when so when you say that there aren't many cover-to-cover albums that are great, I disagree with you. I think you you have to go into other genres to find out, like, cover-to-cover albums that are good. There are plenty out there, but you just, uh, you're not going to hear them on clear channel radio stations. No, I understand that. And I, I certainly agree with you that it is much more singles-focused. And it's just the digital age has allowed for that. But I, I said I still do enjoy listing albums from front to back. And yeah. the last one that I really enjoyed was David Bowie's Black Star, which, which was I listened to yeah. for the sad reason of yeah. him passing away. And I'm not going to sit here and claim that I'm David Bowie's biggest fan, even though Catherine will make fun of me for it. Yeah. But... uh I, I did enjoy the album. It's a really good album. But, like... Yeah. I mean, my thing is, though, but would you have ever really listened to that album, and would you ever say as positive things about it as you did if he didn't die? Yes. I disagree with that. I think that there's always that sense of, oh, he's dead, so now we have to say all of these wonderful things about it. No, and that, was, that was a fantastic album. Like, even I, without the baggage of him dying. I think it's very hard to separate one from the other. Well, all right. Regroup, Aaron. Regroup. I, I <laughs> well, no, because I'm, I'm formulating the thought because I don't think that you could even ask that. Well, all right. So yeah, it's a very it, every track on that album is very well put together. The production is high quality. Bowie's songwriting was fantastic. It's deviating a bit from like what he was, what is like I guess the last couple albums he put out. Uh, it's not what you, what a lot of non-Bowie fanatics would think of when they think Bowie, because you know everyone thinks of his big songs from I don't know the eighties and nineties, whatever. But it's a, it's a I don't know that we can really do the whole separating context, album from context with this one because he wrote it knowing that he was going to die <clears throat> and that was like the driving force in it which makes it so good you know that makes sense so I don't know that that's the right album to use for context I personally I would go with the last Motorhead album that came out before Lemmy died and Flynn you listened to that one I did and I think that was a great album cover to cover I metal is one of those things that I I I enjoy it, but I don't get quite as into as I did with Black Star or some of the uh, some other albums. You know, like Kendrick's last album, "To Pimp a Butterfly." I I've, I've, I've heard, heard that's good. I just don't. I haven't listened to it. That one's worth 
to listen. His yep. latest album we listened to yesterday for the first time, and it's really weird. It's really weird. Well, what makes it weird? I mean, it, I don't even know how to describe it. It's a lot of just weird sampling, weird lyrics. I don't know. Catherine, what did you think of Untitled, Unmasked, or whatever the heck it's called? Um, I mean, I liked it. I think that you, what did I say about it yesterday? It's definitely an album to listen to when you're, like, super high and just, like, hanging out. Um, it's not really, I don't know, it's just his, I think I can't think about that, about all of his music. It's kind of like that, that chill, but interesting, you're high and hanging out music. I think it is definitely a step in the right direction for a lot of hip hop because his lyrics are interesting and they're actually saying something. They're not just talking about stereotypical hip hop things like, you know, bitches of booty and money and drugs and whatever it is. Like they're actually talking about something and they have a social commentary and a political commentary and a Personal commentary, I think it actually says something, which I wish that more pop music, well, more hip-hop a lot music of, There are a lot of people. Hey, Aaron. Yo. Hey, you, want, you want to have some fun on the podcast? I, I am having fun, but okay. Ask Catherine her opinions on Kanye West. <laughs> Let's not and say we I, Well, I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> I've not, I think I've listened to, like... I listened to that one time with a Kanye West track where he samples King Crimson. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then everyone was like, no, he sucks. And I said, all right. So I don't really, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm happy in my little classical metal wheelhouse. As a musician, I don't understand Kanye West's popularity. As a I think that's fair. psychology major, I don't understand his popularity because I think he's having a mental break and he needs help. Like, that man needs professional help. It is no longer funny. It's concerning. Why Aaron you, has no idea what you're talking no, about. Why do you say that? I don't, yeah, I don't know what this. That's I, a, I that's saw, we're like, going to stop that. I saw the, the, oh, <laughs> I'm gonna. It's just too long. We're we're I, already running close to about an hour, and oh, Kanye West psychosis is not. But I'm nothing we can cover. We're gonna do a 36 hour podcast a, next week. You're a butt, Glenn. <laughs> you're a stupid butt. Well, sorry about you. Sure. Let's hit the the last uh, last bit here on books, and then Yay, let's call books. it a So, Aaron, seeing as how you expressed your opinions there on your happiness with books, what are your opinions on books? Books are good. People should read more books that are not young adult fiction. Oh, now. I don't young know adult I fiction is that. fine. Young adult fiction is fine, but there's so much more out there. That's very true. Hop around. The way you phrased that was that people should not be reading young adult fiction. Nope. 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 That was the tone. That was the tone. If you you want to read into the tone, that's fine. You know, as the author, I cannot control how you interpret my text. We're going to play that back. Yeah, go ahead. Books are good. People should read more books that are not young adult fiction. But there's a lot more than young adult fiction out there, and I know, like, a lot of people like it, but, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff out there that's just as amazing and weird and... Examples. All right, I just read this incredibly surrealist novel by Alejandro Jodorowsky, who's a 
swinging. A L. Okay, no, don't spell it. Just go. Well, you wanted. <laughs> Yoder. Uh, joke. Oh, okay. Uh, so, really cool book called uh, "Where the Bird Sings Best," and it's this like multi generational family biography uh, written through the just, just utter surrealism, following his like great great grandparents being chased out of the pale of settlement in the Ukraine and uh, like Western Russia and then immigrating into Chile and just a lot of just really cool surrealist stuff in there. And if you want to like actually read art, then you have to look for the art. And there's cool stuff in young adult, but I don't know that the genre lends itself to art that much. Uh, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but personally, I would be thrilled if people started reading anything, because a lot of people just don't read that I that yeah. I come in contact with. I mean, yeah. you can always seek out art. You can always seek out books as art or whatever you want to say. Like, for example, I seek out mysteries. That's just yeah. like any mystery, like Sherlock Holmes or, uh, well, I don't know, there's tons of them, but... That's what I seek out. If people are seeking out just fun stuff to read, they're, they're more likely to go in the Harry Potter or uh, Catching Fire or whatever. Yeah, and I, I think games. it's just kind of a book marketing, publishing marketing problem that the industry's always suffered from because, yeah, publishing houses don't really know how to pitch to the mass audience. Uh, aside from you, which is... They they know how to do it, and that's why you have a lot of success across the board. But like, you can find a lot of fun stuff out there. Like, there's a author named Christopher Buckley who, you know, writes these fun political commentary books that are great reads, quick reads, make some points, and are just fun to read. And the problem is it's all kind of boiled down to marketing because people don't know about these books and uh, that's a publishing problem. Yeah, they're fighting well, with TV movies. Yeah. yeah, and you know, it's it's easier to sit down and watch a movie or I I don't think well, it's easier to sit down and watch a TV show because there's so much goddamn TV. Hey, you don't agree with my thing, so though. many books. I think there's more books than there is TV. I mean, like... uh, Yeah, but it's different because I think TV and Movies, it's more of a sensory overload. Whereas you're not constantly assaulted by books. I have a harder time choosing a book to read than I do a show to watch. I mean, I walk into a Target or a Barnes & Noble or I'm on Amazon, and it's one of those situations of choice overload where I see all of these books that I would like to read, but I don't know where to start. And I also think there's more genres of book available than different types of TV shows to watch. I mean, it's like TV shows, there's kind of like groups, you know, there's like dramas and there's comedies and there's other things and there's, it's less nuanced and less like little things that can be different about what you like about that. I don't know that I agree with you because you have like police procedural and then you have, uh, I don't know what, how you would classify, what was the, oh, Hannibal. 
But you, you have just as much granularity in TV as you do anything else, because that's how you develop a narrative, is you figure out what you're writing in, and that's how you set the tone. So you could say the same about fiction, where you could just say, yeah, that book is a, is a drama, or that book's a comedy. But you can then go down and, you know, separate but, everything from there. But I find personally that there's more distinction between books. I mean, like, I love Harry Potter. Like, I am a huge Harry Potter nerd. But I don't necessarily like all of those other books that fall into that same category, whereas you know, I like pr- police procedurals, and there are very few police procedurals that I wouldn't at least be mildly entertained by. I think it's easier to consume TV shows and movies that aren't necessarily your cup of tea, whereas reading a book and investing that time and energy in reading a book that you don't love is much harder. Okay. How about them, Apple Baron? <laughs> I'm out of coffee, so but I'm just kind of slowly fading. But, uh, yeah, I don't, like, I agree with you, but I also don't fully, because I I think we both stated that it's, I don't know, it's, it's, I just think it's more work to get through a TV show, because I don't like sitting and watching a, a TV I think, show. Like, I think I, both, I both of you have valid points. With a, with a movie, that's fine, it's two hours, there's a beginning, middle, and end, unless you're looking at something like the I don't know how many were, were there eight Harry Potter movies oh my god <laughs> are you kidding me I alright yeah I know we're not going to get along I'm sorry I, I think that's just a proven fact like I'm not a big Harry Potter fan I think I hit it too late where I was I think I was a freshman in high school before I read any of it and I just it, it didn't click with me fair enough um but it I, I think the the thing with novels instead of TV is if you're looking at the major network TVs, TV shows, then you have kind of a voice within the network. Like CW shows, you can kind of figure the tone of the show, and you can kind of figure what type of person is going to be starring in it, that kind of thing. And I think most of the networks have their own type. And I, I think books are way different because there's one author and, you know, you could also say the editor has a huge part of that and you would definitely be right. Um, but, yeah, there's there's a lot more variety in that. So I agree with you when you say that you're taking more of a gamble by moving within a genre. Like, I guess Harry Potter would probably be young adult fantasy uh probably another modifier you can throw in there that, that's escaping me right now. But, and you know, the, the tone of the other book is going to be defined by how good the author is. Uh, and I, I think you get the same in TV, though, because you need to have a good showrunner with a, with, a, with a show, otherwise it's just going to become garbage pretty quick, like Walking Dead did after the first season. Right. Well, I think my point was more that you, it's easier to consume, you know, you sit down, you're flipping through the channels, you watch an episode of Law and Order or whatever. You're not necessarily following that TV show. Whereas a book, I mean, you are committing to like the full thing. You don't just like read a chapter of a book and move on to something else. It's not the same. 
Well, yeah. But I, I think the, the equivalent... All right. <clears throat> I had this discussion with someone a while ago where you can kind of... If you want to throw um, like an analogy between text and visual, then you have novel as film, short stories as TV. Because you can pick up a short story collection. You can go out and grab a literary magazine and just jump between short stories. That's fine. That's that's basically like a TV show. And generally speaking, with the way things are moving in the publishing industry, it's going to take you less time to read a short story than you would watching a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's the novel is closer to a film because you have an extended narrative with its own beginning, middle, and end. And, yeah, you, if you just go in, if you're flipping through TV and you see a Coen Brothers movie on, and you watch, if you see Fargo on and you just watch it during one of the scenes where, uh, you know, you have... Francis McDormand talking to her husband in the sh- in the movie, then you're going to think, oh, this is some weird family drama. I'm not interested, and then you won't know the whole context. So, yeah, but I, I don't. And <sighs> text is just, analogy sounds like it's running out of theme. Well, I mean, because <laughs> that's about all there is to say. Is all right. Uh, that's that's fine. Just let it let it be there. No, no. I I think I mean it. It sounds like it's just a preference thing. Oh, definitely. Have I mean, that's kind of the caveat in any discussion here. I don't think right. we're, I don't think either of us are trying to convince the other one that they're right or that they're wrong, and that I am right. Right. <laughs> I think it's just exchanging preferences here. <laughs> well, I feel like we've yelled at each other for long enough here. Oh, I can yell. Uh, you want to yell? No, not really. Oh. Before we wrap up, I did pose this question online, and we did get some good responses from some of our followers here. Uh, my dad actually commented on it here that uh, he has become much le- uh, less patient with TV shows. It needs to be great, or he's on to the next. And that free TV as a whole has kind of become less desirable because of low quality. Um and uh, my cousin, who I hope to get on next week, because I want to talk about what he had to say was the Cubs changing uh, might change his cable subscription status because he has been a long-standing uh, no no cable household. So I, I would hope to delve into that a little bit more and talk a little bit more sports with with Sean, hopefully on next episode. So Sean, if you are listening, which I hope you are, you want to come on the podcast. So, anyway, let's go ahead and wrap this up. I'd like to go ahead and thank Catherine for coming on and making this a much classier podcast than it already was. <laughs> yeah, thank uh, you. As, all, yep. as always, uh, Aaron, and, Aaron and Brad, it's been a pleasure talking with you. If any of you out there have a topic that you'd like to hear us argue in circles about or would like to be a guest on the show, you can email us at twoprofessionalidiots at gmail.com or check out our blog at professionalidiotsblog.wordpress.com. Again, uh, thank you, Catherine, and until next time, gentlemen, this is Ben Professional Idiot. Thanks for listening. The sounds better thing. We're, doing, we're, cre- we're creating things, Aaron. We're being creators. Podcast. <sighs>
It's the podcast time. Please open the show like that next time. Well, I'm still recording, so you could take the, the sound bite right there. <laughs>